our study of God's Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, brings us today to a commandment that was especially given to stop all of us workaholics in our tracks. It is God's provision for relief from stress, clogged arteries, and neurological short circuits. Let's join our study leader, Dave Woodson, as he takes us into Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. He begins with an illustration that all of us who believe that our Herculean efforts hold up the world need to remember. I love the illustration that one of my friends gave me this week. They said, Dave, whenever you think you're really, really important, I want you to remember that you make about as much impact as when I get a great big bowl of water. I take one of those bread bowls, you know, that Mary uses to put her dough in, and you fill it with water. And you know, Dave, you put your fist in that water. So I put my fist down the water, and then I take my fist out. My friend says, Dave, that's about as much impact as you're going to make on planet Earth. Man, a day after you're gone, life will go right on. Give it a month or two, and they'll hardly remember you were even here. So don't think you can't stop and rest. You're just not that important. Now, I'm not saying that our lives don't count. You understand I'm kind of being extreme in that illustration. I'm not saying that our life doesn't make a difference. But when we start to think that we're God and everything depends upon us, then we're disobeying this command and we stop resting. We become, we become incapable of rest. And I want to challenge you. When you think you can't stop, when you think you cannot get away, that's when you need to get away. You know why? Because you're messing up the team. Last night, many of us were up till about 11.30 watching the little kids play basketball in our little league. Ever think of all the crazy things you have to remember in playing basketball, don't shuffle your feet, watch out for the ball coming, you can't throw it to the other team, you got to try to put the ball in the right end, of, in the net at the right end of the court. Man, it's incredible, man. I mean, you can watch the computers go like this, they overload. But you know, one thing I, I noticed, that the kids' teams that were good, every one of them had learned, the teams that were really good, they learned to throw the ball around. In the famous film Hoosiers, the coach, Gene Hackman, as the actor that played the coach, began with this failing team, and he began making them do something very important. He made them play games where he would not let them shoot for five and ten minutes at a time. He made them just keep passing the ball to the next person. And man, they were, you know, they were screaming and yelling because they were used to having the hot dog. They just brought the ball down and drove through everybody and shot. No great basketball team has just one player, even the Chicago Bulls. No great basketball team has one good player. They have five. And they pass the ball around. You know what's wrong with some of you today? You don't feel you can pass the ball to the other person. You know what's wrong with some churches today? 
The pastor never feels that anybody else can make a decision, that anybody else can teach, that anybody else can pray, that anybody else can visit in the hospital, that anybody else can handle finances. And you know what those pastors say? Oh, the ministry, it's such agony for the glory of God. It's such a horrible, painful thing. But I'm going to slug it out for 50 years for Jesus. Get off my back. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? You're the body of Christ. You're God's team. If I can't stop, even for the sake of the ministry, that's the ultimate spiritual cop-out, isn't it? I'm in the ministry. I can't stop. And oh, how that kills families, it kills wives, it kills children. And it's our pride. It's when I think. Everything depends upon me. If I don't do it, it won't get done. And I think that I'm God. And that kind of a player, just as certainly as the big hot dog in basketball that always needs to shoot, just as certainly as that hot dog will destroy the basketball team, you will destroy your business, you will destroy your family, you will destroy your church, you will destroy everything you touch if we can't remember to stop and remember we're not God. We need to break. We need to rest. Oh, this rhythm is so important. To learn to work hard as a team to complete a task and then let go of it and enjoy it. So the Lord said in the book of Exodus, I want you to remember the Sabbath day because I want you to acknowledge that I'm your creator and I rested. In fact, the Lord Jesus said in the book of Mark chapter 2 that the Sabbath was created for man. God loved us so much that he created a one day and seven rest because he loved us and wanted us not to work all the time. The second reason, turn over the book of Deuteronomy, the second reason the Lord gives us for resting is that we need to remember not only our creation, but we also need to remember our redemption. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 doesn't go back to the seven days of creation, six days of work and one day of rest. But Deuteronomy chapter 5 reminds the children of Israel of their redemption. It says this, remember verse 15, that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You know, those who remember what it was like not to be free. Imagine that you were one of these Israelites And you can remember your parents when you were a small child. They didn't have any rest. They never had rest. Every single day, Dad got up before it was sunlight. And he went out all day long, and he gathered grass, and he mixed it with mud and and water from the Nile. And he made this mush and put it all together and, and made bricks and put it in these hot kilns in the hot Egyptian deserts. And those kilns would harden these bricks And then they'd have to take that stuff out and and build the Pharaoh's palaces and his courts and the temples. And your dad never had a holiday. He never had a day. Man, we think Scrooge's Christmas Carol is bad when when Scrooge isn't going to let the people even off for Christmas or makes them come in at 10 o'clock. The Egyptian slave master was worse than that. They never had a break. They died under their labor. And then Moses came from God, and he said, let my people go. 
And they walked out of Egypt because of the mighty, redemptive power of God, and they were free. You think that's not important? Where do you think the cries of the American Revolution came? I want to be free. I want to be a free man. What do you think gave pioneers the, the tremendous drive to get in a wagon and just drive out west into the unknown? Because they wanted to be free. It's one of the deepest cultural realities of being an American. I'm free. It's so much a part of our lives. It's like the air that's around us that we completely take it for granted. But you know where that idea of freedom came from? Not slaves. You know why we fought the war between the states? Because deep in the American soul is, I want to be free. You know what the tragedy of that is? The Lord told even the Israelites, remember, you were a slave in Egypt. Therefore, if you have someone in your, in your nation, if you have someone that's an alien from the outside, you cannot abuse them. You cannot take their labor for granted. You cannot work them to death for meaningless wages. You have got to give them a fair wage. You need to give them justice, and you need to give them adequate rest. They need to have at least one day in seven where they're done. You say, Dave, what does that mean for us today? Are you, in, are you in leadership in a company? As a believer, as a born-again believer, you are responsible to be a voice for making sure that every laborer in the company, men and women, are treated with respect. They're never treated as cogs in the wheel. And they are given adequate rest. You say, Dave, you think it's not important? It's very important for your company. It's very important for the safety of your company. Because we are denying creation when we get into patterns where we work forever and ever and ever. Even during the Manhattan Project in World War II, one of my physics professors at Houghton College was the chief metallurgist on the Manhattan Project. And when they first started trying to beat the Germans to the, to the nuclear bomb, to the atomic bomb, and all of our existence, they thought, depended upon beating the Germans to that, 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 that application of Einstein's equation. And at first, those scientists started on just perpetual work, perpetual study, perpetual experimentation, just continual research. After a few weeks, the whole thing was going nowhere. Everyone was stalled out. No ideas were coming. Nothing was happening. And they went back to six days of work, break. Six days of work, break. And by the grace of God and by the mercies of God, my professor, Yu Payne, along with Fermi and several others, did beat the Nazis to that horrible, horrible explosive power. Even in science, the scientist that denies the reality of God can't deny the fact that there needs to be six days of work, one day of rest. In the French Revolution, they tried to turn that all over. And once again, it didn't work. They tried to get on a different sequence of the week and get people to work longer. And they tore their society apart. The scripture says that we need to remember what it's like to be a slave. As believers, we need to put ourselves in the alien's place.
We need to put ourselves in the person that is, can easily be abused because they're weak and they need someone to be a protector. And right in this law, God has this, this moral justice, this social justice. And we as believers today in God's family need to be part of the voices that cry out for fairness and strong care in giving human beings adequate rest. If we move into the New Testament, some of you say, well, Dave, I have some friends that they've got to worship on the seventh day because, after all, the Lord said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And they, they would agree with everything you've said. Remember creation. Remember the, the fact that you were slaves in Egypt, and we need to be sure that there's a, a sequence of six days of work and then one day of rest. Why don't we keep the seventh day? Because Jesus said this, I am come to fulfill the law. In Mark chapter 2, the Lord says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath and that the Sabbath was made for man. As we move into the rest of the epistle of the New Testament, for example, just turn to Romans chapter 14, verse 8. Romans chapter 14, verse 8 brings out the need in the new, of the new covenant not to get bound up in particular days. And not just to make shifts between an Old Testament Sabbath and a New Testament first day of the week. Look what Paul says in Romans 14, verse 5. Romans 14, 5. One man considers one day more sacred than another. In other words, some of you are going to like a rhythm where you consider maybe Sunday. You can be like, uh, like the fellow in Chariots of Fire who had strong convictions that the first day of the week was his sacred, special day. And Paul is saying some of you will be like that. Another man will consider every day alike. Some of you say, well, Dave, every single day is my day with the Lord. Every single day is an intimate walk with him. As a New Testament believer, with the Holy Spirit dwelling in my heart, I don't consider there to be one day more holy or more sacred unto my God than any other day. And Paul says there will be some of you in a church family like that. It says each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. There's your individuality. There's the individuality of our family. Some of you will have certain customs. Some of you will have others. And the new covenant throws open the door for that kind of freedom. It says he who regards one day as special... Those who want to take, like the culture that I was raised in, that want to have one special day and, and set some boundaries that will keep it special. The Lord is saying, that's good. Paul is saying through the Apostle Paul, that's good. He regards that day as special to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and give, gives the Lord God the thanks. He goes on in the book of Colossians. I want you to look at one other verse that brings out kind of the, the nuances of the New Testament, New Covenant, and why we don't have to be bound up by particular days and think that there's one day more holy than the other, but also we have the freedom to set up some of our own traditions. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. And there we read these words. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, and that would include the Sabbath, in regard to a new moon, celebrations, or, or the Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. Their reality, however, is found in Christ. Let me say that again. The Sabbath 
was somehow a shadow. It was just a reflection of something that was to come. In other words, the Sabbath speaks to us this morning about cessation from labor. It speaks to us about rest. It speaks to us about the ability to be free. The ability to really face ourselves and, and, and to be alone with ourselves and to be okay. To not have to just bury ourselves in our inactivity. To not have to just bury ourselves in entertainment. To not have to just do anything so we don't have to stop and be with ourselves. The Sabbath spoke to that need in the human heart to be at rest deep within your heart. And Colossians says that that Old Testament one day that gave you some time to stop and think was a day in the New Testament that became full of Christ. In fact, every day becomes full of Christ. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and let's remind ourselves of some of the teaching that we had when we studied together Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 introduces this whole idea of the rest of the people of God. It says in verse 3, Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work, God's work of creation, has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. And again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter rest. It still remains, therefore, that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the good news preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. In verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. As the Old Testament idea of Sabbath began to develop, it began to be focused on a special time when we could be one with the Creator, we could stop working to try to earn relationship with Him by belief, by trust in him, we could just be at rest. You know, that's something, if I were to ask you, what's one of the greatest needs of your heart? What's one of the greatest needs of your heart? And you would say, Dave, I would just like to be able to stop and have peace. And the Lord Jesus is saying that you can have it. By believing in him. In my own life, the way that it works, it's like this. If I think that my teaching of the word of God is something that I do to try to earn relationship with God, then when my precious wife comes to me at the end of the sermon and says, why in the world did you do this? And usually she's right. Why in the world did I do that? Or if I hear myself on a tape and I go, man alive, where did that voice, how did those people ever stop and listen to that, that voice all that time? Then there's no rest. There's discouragement. There's feelings of inferiority. There's a 
paralyzation, just a paralysis that comes over me. And I say, why do anything? Some of you are there. You know what makes me feel like that? My pride. Because my loving daddy puts his arms around me and he says, David, it's through the foolishness of preaching that people believe. And you're doing just fine. Just keep obeying. Keep believing. And I'll handle what goes on in the lives of people that hear my precious word. It's just not your thing to worry about the results. So don't take credit when things go great and when you're applauded. And don't get discouraged when everything falls like a house of cards. He says, Dave, I'm your daddy. I'm your heavenly daddy. Just rest. From the depths of my soul, brothers and sisters, that's hard for me. The message I've given you is a hard message for me to give because I have a hard time with just rest. It's hard for me to just stop. Even when I'm supposedly stopping, I want to go like crazy. I heard from the time I was a little tiny kid, if the lights were still on at 3 o'clock in the morning, then blessed be the man or woman behind that desk still working. Blessed be the person that's constantly telling people about Jesus. Always, 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 go, go, go. You've got to work, work, work so you can get together believers and say, man, I won 150,000 people to Christ this week. And the agony of spiritualized pride can rob a personality of ever being able to stop and just rest. The tragedy is whether you're a missionary, whether you're a preacher, whether you're an evangelist, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether or not you're um, a laborer, whether you're a precious person that drives taxi cabs or on and on it goes, all those jobs, when they become filled with ego, they become filled with restlessness. The command of the Lord today is he's saying, Dave, and he's saying to us as a family of believers, he's saying, in the new covenant, there's freedom. It's been fulfilled in Christ. There's an ultimate eternal rest for your soul. You can stop trying to earn relationship with God, and you can just enjoy forgiveness, and it's free. You don't have to work for it. That's the ultimate eternal rest, to be born again into God's family by receiving an unmerited gift. And then the Lord calls us to a life of freedom from the stress of having to perform. And he calls us into the glorious enjoyment of love in a family with a heavenly daddy that will never leave us and he will never forsake us. I want to ask you, can you stop? Can you quiet your mind down? Can you pray? You see, the Lord's Day, in fact, every single day needs to have times where you cease and you open your heart to be quiet and know that he is God. The hardest discipline of the American believer's life is to be still 
to cease to have daily Sabbaths, you might say, where you're at rest. You don't have to turn the TV on all the time. You don't have to have your CD disc playing all the time. It's okay to be quiet with yourself. And you will find rest, and you will find peace, and you will find health for those tired bones. Our loving daddy says, remember the Sabbath day. And he comes with his New Testament children and says, it's not a specific seventh day. It's a principle of remembering I'm your creator, remembering I'm your redeemer. And by amazing grace, you can be quiet and rest and stop your work. By belief, you can enter into the rest that his Old Testament children never entered into. Many of them never entered it because they worked too hard. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it set apart. Set apart the Lord every day as the Lord of your heart. If ever there was a people who needed to be reminded about the commandment from our Creator that we needed once a week to take a rest and to connect with one another, to connect with our God, it's the American people today. And I know pastoring here in Midlothian that I've met a lot of people who, just like you, are on that treadmill of life and it just ultimately breaks down and our heart goes out and our brain gives out. It's just not worth it. Instead, we need to learn to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice in one another and learn to take a break. Uh, maybe you know someone that's on that treadmill and they could profit from hearing this message uh, titled, Tired in Need of a Rest. Pray that the Lord uses this discussion of the Big Ten, the foundations of morality as we've gone, beginning with thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and not making any graven images. And we'll be concluding with thou shalt not covet God's Big Ten, the Ten Commandments.